0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Gibson, joined by staff writer Jane McGrath. Hey there, Candace. Jane, have you ever wanted to go out and search for buried treasure?
1: Yeah, when I was a kid, definitely.
0: Yeah, did you ever find any? No, I didn't find any. Oh, were you one of those cool people on the beach with the zinc oxide (laughs) stripe on your nose? And And I think that's that's
1: even less cool that you wanted to be one of those people. Oh,
0: (laughs) I still kind of feel sad when I see those people even today. I feel like that was a a fad, and it should have passed. I mean, searching on the beach for shark teeth will never be uncool or ever go out of style, but the metal detector. (laughs) Although I don't know, with the recession now, people might be that hard hit up. That's true. We'll see. But the coolest thing about searching for buried treasure is the prospect of keeping what you find. But right now, there's actually a scandal with buried treasure being waged in the world. And the question on everyone's minds is, if you have an ethical obligation to return it, and you don't, who's going to make you?
1: That's true. And it gets into the question of international diplomacy and and laws, uh, especially when it it comes to things like past wars and heinous
0: crimes that have been done in order to obtain the treasure. And we know from the Geneva Convention that if you take something valuable from a nation that's a cultural artifact or something of great monetary worth, Mm -hmm. you have to return it. It's written there in black and white. But when you take something from individuals, it's a little bit stickier, because then who does the restitution power fall to? The country in which the the treasure is discovered? The people to whom it is owed? Mm -hmm. And to be a little bit less vague, what we're talking about specifically is Nazi gold.
1: And this is a really cool story. I actually didn't know about it until recently, about how... Um, if you remember back in history class, uh, Germany, um, right before World War II, was actually suffering um, from a depression. They, their economy was not doing very well. And so in order to fund uh, their plans for war, obviously, they wanted to invade Poland and everywhere else. They needed money to do this. They actually ended up plundering the gold supply of, of um, other countries.
0: They took about four hundred million from nations proper mm-hmm. and one hundred forty million in gold from individuals, and to right. make matters worse, the gold they got from individuals was primarily from Jewish people who'd yeah. been sent to concentration camps. so they got into their safety deposit boxes, their homes, and even at the camps themselves, they would go into their mouths and take gold fillings from their teeth.
1: yeah, it's really horrifying to hear the stories of people watching they remember people uh, Nazis. Uh, ordering that they take the gold fillings out or taking them
0: out after after death and oh, prying gosh. them out. It's really, yeah. So for a time, this gold was stored in the Reich Bank which was the storage bank of the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. But then in 1945, there was a bombing raid, and the Nazis decided that it wasn't safe there anymore, so they moved it to a potassium mine about 200 miles from Berlin.
1: That's right, and this wasn't too hard to find. They did they did try to uh, hide it very well, but um, Americans were able uh, to find
0: out where it was and, and relatively quickly recover it. And this was part of an operation called Operation Sunset, and I think that's when Hitler realized, oh hey, I think we're going to lose the war. Right. Let's take all of our valuable art and gold and money and stash it. Yeah. And they did, in the German Alps. But when we, uh, the Allies at least, found this
1: gold, um, we eventually realized that it wasn't all of it. A lot of it was still missing. And
0: even to this day, it still is. And not just the gold from individuals and not just the gold from different nations treasuries, mm-hmm. but perhaps most famously, the Amber Room. Right. Which for those of you who aren't familiar, this was a room from Russia's Catherine Palace and it was just beautiful. It was called the Eighth Wonder of the World. It was mm-hmm. solid gold panels and they were elaborately carved with filigree and just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And Germany came in and took them and they were last seen in 1945 at an art exhibition, and then they vanish for all intents and purposes. And some people think that the Allied bombs ultimately destroyed them, but some people think that you can still find the Amber Room somewhere.
1: And this, the case with the Amber Room would be very clear-cut if it were actually found today. It would go to um, Russia,
0: because uh, it counts as a cultural artifact, basically. As per the Geneva Convention. Right. Right. But as for the individual gold, that's what's up for grabs. And there's a couple of key players who came about really recently, as recently as February 2008. Mm -hmm. Because just prior, eight years prior rather, in 2000, some German treasure hunters thought that they had found the gold in the German Alps. But because the terrain is so rocky and rough there, they couldn't get their hands on it. That's right. And they just gave up because it was much too hard. Well, enter the mayor of this little bitty town called uh, Deutsch Neudorf, and his name is Heinz Peter Haustein And he thought that he knew where he could get his hands on the gold.
1: That's right. He thought it was in a nearby area known as Katharinenburg. And um, so in 2008, actually, the excitement got to a fever pitch because this other fellow um, named Christian Heinisch, I believe it's pronounced, um, he was the son of a German soldier, and he found his father's journal and he believes that it indicates where the gold is and yeah. that's where yeah that's where they believe it is he
0: went hunish went so far as to say that there were actual coordinates in his father's journal that wow. pointed him to the same spot yeah. so you have to imagine the fever pitch because mm-hmm. here's the mayor uh Hallstein, and here's this other guy, Hanisch, and all of a sudden they're both in the same place pointing for gold, and yeah. they say it's there. So we assume that it really must be there. Mm-hmm. So they hire the help of some geophysicists to pinpoint exactly where it is, because they know that it could very well be booby-trapped by the Nazis. And they get an electromagnetic metal detector.
1: Probably more powerful than the ones on the beach. <laughs> Probably.
0: Well, I mean, not more so than mine, the one that I'm going to get <laughs> when the economy gets really rough. Yeah. But they think that the gold is about 60 feet below the mountains, this mm-hmm. East German mountainside, and they started digging, but then they stopped. That's right. And they actually, they believe there are about two tons there. So
1: the question is, like, why did they stop? And the answer is um, because they believe it's actually booby trapped. I mean, they knew the Nazis were not dumb, and um, it's quite possible that they could have left explosives where they hid the gold. If so, if they aren't careful when they start digging.
0: Um, you know, some disaster could happen. So at what expense go after this gold? And that's actually a very complicated answer. And I'm going to throw some numbers at you guys. Um, since 1946, the gold has been recovered from the Nazis hiding places, has been redistributed to the countries from whom it was taken. Mm -hmm. And then there's this commission called the Tripartite Commission. This is Britain, France, and the United States. And they're the ones doling it out and making sure that it goes to the countries that lost it, and more specifically, hopefully, eventually, to the individuals from whom it was taken. Or at least their descendants. Or at least their descendants, exactly. But there's five and a half tons that haven't yet been returned, and here's where things start to get fishy. The archives of this commission have been closed, mm-hmm. and the Vatican's have too. So mm. we're not really sure what's going on with this gold. And there's accusations that maybe the Vatican was um laundering gold that was stolen by Croatia. Mm-hmm. And there's some countries for sure that are refusing to return gold that they have. And here is where it gets really, really dark and twisted. Switzerland, which for all intents and purposes we've always heard was a neutral country, has been accused of playing a really, really menacing role in all of this.
1: That's right. And like speaking of of treasure hunting, I mean, uh, since World War II, actually, plenty of people have been doing hunting in Swiss banks, if you can imagine. Um, That's where a lot of the Nazi gold ended up. And to explain why, um, Hitler, when he first plundered this gold, he needed to be able to turn it into usable currency and uh so he actually chose swiss banks to do this in because they had very secure laws like secrecy laws and and they were a neutral country and and they promised you know very secure uh, money so he exchanged his gold for for their currency and he, that's why he was able to fund a lot of his a lot of his uh military maneuvers so basically, one stat, one stat um, says that they shipped $6 billion into the and uh, $60 billion in today's money, actually, in assets through Switzerland. And uh, it kind of calls into question how neutral Switzerland was in the war if they were able to comply with the Nazis so much. There's even talk that Switzerland agreed to a few things in return, such as agreeing not to give Jews refuge when they were fleeing from the Nazis and uh, letting trains full of Jews going to concentration. Uh, camps through Switzerland.
0: And that, as far as I know, is, is up for debate. I yeah. don't think scholars are right. really sure whether these trains carrying prisoners to concentration camps passed through, but we do know for a fact the trains taking people to slave labor camps for the Germans, those definitely went through.
1: That's right. And uh, so it's caused a lot of problems. Actually, one interesting development is that investigations into some Swiss coins have actually found some evidence of mercury in them. And it's really interesting because this suggests possibly that that gold actually came originally from the fillings from some of the Jews in the concentration camps. If you remember, Candice mentioned uh, that uh, they they stole fillings from the Jews' teeth. And that and so the presence of mercury would suggest that that's originally where the gold came from from.
0: It's just so wild to think about. And of course, we have people today who are saying that ultimately who needs restitution are the um, the families of Holocaust victims right, or right, even yeah. Holocaust survivors. Their families are due restitution for this. Yeah. And, and by
1: 1998, the Swiss at least agreed to uh, $1.25, I think, billion dollars in reparations
0: for Jewish survivors and descendants. And then Washington actually held a conference on Holocaust-era assets. Mm. And it's not just gold. It's art. It's silver. It's other forms of wealth that's missing. And I think that they've tried to put a a ballpark number on this, anywhere from 97 to 170 million, of which less than 20 million has been recovered. And that doesn't necessarily mean returned. It means recovered. And the nations in which this gold and wealth is sometimes found are hesitant to redistribute it. Because they're not sure what parties it should go to or they're not quite sure how to manage it. That's true. But something that really struck me as powerful when I was reading about Nazi gold and reparations, Ben Mead, who was a Holocaust survivor advocate and who actually formed the Alliance of Jewish Holocaust Survivors, he said about the Holocaust and about the situation of Nazi gold, that the biggest murder of the century was also the biggest robbery in history.
1: Yeah, it's true, considering
0: And it really everything. is, and I've never yeah. thought about it like that before. Right. Because, yeah. you know, you think about these German treasure hunters, and it seems very Indiana Jones to an extent, but then you think that, in the end, all this money, you know, it's it's a moot point, who gets to keep it. it to me, mm-hmm. it seems that it should okay. go, you know, in, in terms of reparations right. to the families. right. But we shall we shall have to hang on and, and see what happens. And we know that, as of late February, Hallstein told Hanisch to get out of Dorchnodoff. So it's true. They had a little rolling uh, out. Sad, it yeah. seems. Yeah. yeah, about where to dig, how much further to dig. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, to date, if the gold really is there in the Amber Room too, it hasn't been recovered, so we'll have to I don't think I'm going to go
1: digging, considering that I might be booby-trapped. No,
0: <laughs> no. And there is a lovely replica of the Amber Room, so even if it's not the real thing, Ooh, you can okay. you can still see, you know, what yeah. it would have looked like. And nice. Whether or not it exists is a mystery for the ages. That's right. Or for the next brave adventurer. So if you want to learn more about World War II, the Nazis, and the Allied Forces, you can read Could Treasure Hunters Have Discovered Nazi Gold on HowStuffWorks.com.